Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Well, we are uh, kicking off a four-week series today, and we are going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. And so that, so that we all are on the same page and understand the amazing ministry of the Holy Spirit to us. Um, if uh, you're new to church, um, this may be uh, exciting. You're like, okay, yeah, I've kind of heard about this. What is this? This is, this is, this is cool. Um, if you've been around church for a while, um, all of a sudden this can be a little bit of a lightning rod subject. You're like, oh, okay, where, where are we going? What are we going to talk about? What, what are we what are we doing here? Um, you know, we're thankful for the Holy Spirit, you know, but, um, you know, I had, uh, I had a, a friend of mine who had gone off to Bible school, and he was telling his pastor he grew up with about him going off to Bible school, and, and he was like, you know, this pastor said, I, I've got one piece of advice for you, and, and you need to be careful around people that talk about the Holy Spirit a lot. Um, and you're like, well, we understand the person of the Holy Spirit, you're like, well, that doesn't even make sense. You're going off to Bible school to learn about God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. And why would you have some sort of advice to stay away from people or watch out for people who talk about the Holy Spirit a lot? And, and sadly, the Holy Spirit, I believe, has got a bad rap and it's misunderstood. And we are going to really look at the, the role and the function over the next month of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if you've got your Bible app, you got your bulletin, we're just gonna go ahead and jump into the notes real quick because uh, we're gonna lead off with this idea that God has given us the Holy Spirit to be our helper. And if you have walked down this, this relationship with God thing for any length of time, um, then the idea that God has given you a helper to do this should be a very exciting idea. Now we're gonna reference the Holy Spirit as the helper because that's how Jesus references him. As we're about to see, Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the helper over and over and over again. And so we have to learn how to embrace and look for and work with the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and we need to make sure that we fully embrace this part because if it gets eliminated, it messes some things up significantly. Uh, years ago, this store does not exist in San Marcos anymore, um, but uh, Cutie and I had gone shopping at the San Marcos outlets, and so, yes, she loves to do a little bit of shopping or a whole lot of shopping. Um, and so we were there at the San Marcos outlets, and uh, these stores now just exist where they started, which was in South Carolina. But there was a store that they tried to, to bring to Texas. It didn't quite work out, but it was a store called the Oops Store. And the, as the name says, it's full of things at a discount price that were oopses, that they were mistakes, that there were things that didn't go quite right. So you go into the Oops store, and, and you know, instead of getting a Yeti coffee mug, you might buy a Yet mug, you know. Instead of your Hydro Flask, you get a Hydro Lask, you know, jug. And it's the, the right company, it's the right stuff, just something went wrong on it. Maybe it doesn't have a good seal, and, and, and you get wet every time you take a drink, you know. You can find a, a nice Olo shirt that has a guy riding a one-legged pony on it, you know. I mean, some th things were just... Things were just off. And funny enough, this store sells 
um, and still to this day in the, in the Carolinas, they sell puzzles. Who wants an oops puzzle? What happened? Was the oops that they forgot to put stuff in there? Was the oops that the picture you're going to end up with is not the one that's on the box? What in the world is an oops? You don't want an oops on a puzzle. I mean, that's something you want to, to, to be right. But the funniest thing to me that was there in the oops store as we were looking at it were these cookbooks. An oops cookbook. Like, how do you even, why do you even want that? I get it that some, some printer said we need somebody to buy it. But somebody on the oops purchasing team should have said, okay, we can deal with the mugs, we can deal with the shirts, but we can't have any oops cookbooks. Thankfully, there were no Bibles there because there if there's an oops Bible, it might have a burgundy sea and Jesus turned the water into wine coolers or something. I, I don't know what it might say. And so, but thankfully, thankfully that I didn't see any oops Bibles in there. But there were oops cookbooks. But then as you go to get this oops cookbook, you know, what are you going to even end up with? You know, you just said, what are we going to make for dinner? And you open it up and you're like, ooh, I'm going to make some meatloaf, which is nasty. And so you're going to make some meatloaf. And here we got our meat and we got breadcrumbs for some reason that goes in meatloaf. And then you're looking at the ingredients, and you're sitting there and go, and raisins, and chocolate chips, and vanilla. Uh, what kind of meatloaf is this going to be that there was some oops that a cookie recipe got stuck into the meatloaf recipe? And, and man, and you just don't, you don't want that. Because the other part is, is even if it's not obvious that something got added that shouldn't have, one of the worst oopses in there was that something that should have been in the recipe got left out. That all of a sudden that you're going along and it looks right at first glance and then you try to follow along and there was something critical that should have been a part. And then you look up and you do the work and you follow it and all of that and there was a missing ingredient that should have been a part of it and then you don't get the results that you should get. And for us as believers, the Holy Spirit is critical. It's critical. There are places where we can begin to try to, to do some things and have our Bibles and read our Bibles and have some prayer and do some different things. But if we do not embrace the active work of the Holy Spirit in each one of those pieces, we will not end up with the results that God wants in our lives try to read the scriptures without the guidance of the Holy Spirit alive on the inside of us and we can get off onto some wrong things. We begin to pray without the, the leading and the guiding and the encouraging of the Holy Spirit and, and we can end off in the wrong place. We just try to live our lives without the Holy Spirit and we want to make sure that we in our daily Christian life don't make one of the biggest oopses that we possibly could make and that would be to leave out the function and the work of the Holy Spirit, and the early believers understood this. In fact, we're going to look at a little passage of Scripture in kicking this off of Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And so as the early church is moving forward and carrying the gospel, the gospel's moving as well. And it's not just the people that Acts follows around. And here in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it says, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. 
there, he found some disciples. He found some disciples. He found some who were following the teachings of Jesus. They understood who Jesus was. He found some. He's, he was going to go try to present the gospel, and then he finds some people that have already heard about Jesus. And so the, he, the very first thing we find, the very first interaction we find that Paul has with them, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He says, you've already believed. You believe in who Jesus is, but, but did you receive the Holy Spirit? is that you have embraced the, the role and the function of the Holy Spirit. And they answered, no, we've never even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We don't even know about the Holy Spirit. And so Paul, as he's traveling, because as he was ministering, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit was a vital part of it. So now when he runs into a group of, of believers, he runs into a group of disciples, the first thing he says is, have you received the Holy Spirit? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to function? They're like, we haven't even heard about this. And he immediately begins to go in and to remedy that. He begins to introduce them to the Holy Spirit. And so what, what this is today is this is what I want to be, is a proper introduction to the Holy Spirit. And over the next a few weeks, we're going to look at the, today the, an introduction to the Holy Spirit. And then we're, we're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, on the fourth week, we're going to look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit wants to bring about God's nature in our lives. God, and that's what the fruit of the Holy Spirit is. So just that we're all on the same page, knowing where we're going, how we're going to get there. Then we're going to go ahead and look at this. Uh, we're about to spend some time with Jesus in the upper room with his disciples, okay? There's a, there's, it's Jesus' upper room moment um, is in John chapter 14, 15, 16, and a little bit of 17, okay? So as all of that stuff is all happening there at the Last Supper, okay? 14, 15, 16, and a little bit of 17. And Jesus is there having his last discipleship moment with his disciples, and it's here because he is about to, after his death, burial, and resurrection, and then ascent, final ascension, he is then tagging out, so to speak, with the Holy Spirit. And he wants his disciples to understand, be expectant, be ready for the work of the Holy Spirit in their, in their lives. And so he begins to teach them about the helper, the Holy Spirit. So let's look at John chapter 14, verse 16. And he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, okay? I need you to understand that. When you receive, the Holy Spirit doesn't come and go and all of this stuff. We see David in the Old Testament, and he's, and in the Psalms, he says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And we even in our, in more modern day church time have taken that Psalm and we have sung it in our, in our churches, and it was, that was the way it functioned in, with David because Jesus is going about to explain that the Holy Spirit's with us, but he will be in us. God is not adding and removing his spirit from our lives. Jesus says right here, he's going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to live with you forever. We don't have to worry about that all of a sudden, 
that I made a mistake. I, I responded in an unhealthy way to my spouse or a coworker or the, or the person who cut me off in the parking lot, and now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit has, has left me alone, and I'm going to have to get my life right for the Holy Spirit to kind of come back and, and be a part. No, that's not the way this works. And it says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, we begin to see that we reference the Holy Spirit, but Jesus uses these, these, the pronouns. He uses these things of him, him, him. The Holy Spirit isn't some weird, mystical Jesus force. It's a person. It's the third person of the, of the Trinity. Holy Spirit is a, is a person. Now, there are a lot of people who like to drop the word the and just say Holy Spirit. And I don't really have a problem with that, the, 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 but the, the Bible uses the, the word the, um, and we are normal. We don't feel like that that depersonalizes it because we refer to people we know who, by, their, by their office, whether we say the governor, the president, the judge, whatever, and we understand we're talking about a person. So just because we say the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that we're taking the personage of the Holy Spirit away. The scriptures refer to as the Holy Spirit, but then also him. He says, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The new birth that we get because of what Jesus did allows now because we are begin, we are spiritually alive, we are spiritually righteous, the Holy Spirit can then dwell within us because of our new birth. That's why it had been the Holy Spirit was with you but he says, but then the Holy Spirit's going to be in you. So we have to understand that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. The Holy Spirit stays with us forever. And the Holy Spirit is a person, and we need to, to get that. It goes on in verse 25. It says, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. And the next thing we need to see that Jesus wants us to understand is this, this helper of the Holy Spirit helps us to begin to understand what Jesus has said and done for us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. One of the roles is to help us to understand and to teach us and be able for us to be able to connect and to understand. One of my, one of my favorite moments was as I'd had a, a meal with uh, someone who they had set the time up to have a, a conversation with me and they had not yet placed their faith in Christ and they had a whole bunch of questions. Um, and then between us having the meal and being able to, uh, and having the appointment set up, they placed their faith in Christ and, be, and became a believer. And they had not revisited their list of questions. So we're sitting there having the meal and they're asking some questions. And it was wonderful to watch because as they went back over their own questions that they were going to ask me, but now they had the Holy Spirit alive in them, they're sitting there and it's like, oh, no, I understand that. Okay, no, I get, yeah, I don't even know why I was going to ask that. No, that's, I get that. Oh, no, 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 here, here, here's one. Here's one I need to ask. How do we understand what God has to say? How do we hear the leading of God? Well, that was a super relevant question for us as a believer. I don't even know what questions that the Holy Spirit had already made, but they were a list of questions important enough for him to have written down. And then as we go, then he's like, no, no, I'm, I, 
the Holy Spirit had already in that short period of time made things clear all on his own. The, that is the primary role of the Holy Spirit, helping us to, to reveal and to understand what God is doing in our lives. Then in uh, John chapter 15, remember, this is all one narrative. Jesus is sitting down with his disciples. They're in the upper room. There when they have the, 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 the Passover meal and he does communion and all of those things with them. And verse 26 of verse 15, it says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit talks about Jesus, points us to Jesus, helps us to understand Jesus. Then in chapter 16, verse seven, it says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I did not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. This ought to tell us how important it is for us to embrace the ministry and the role of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling his disciples they had left everything to follow him. Some of them had been with him about three years at this point. They had left their careers. They had left everything. And now he's saying, now I'm about to go away, and it is good for you that I go away because me physically being gone lets the Holy Spirit come in and abide within you, and that is better for you. We have to understand that us, even 2,000 years later, when so many times we would love to just be able to sit down with Jesus, talk to Jesus personally, get in some sort of time machine and go back and, and, and have access to, to living, breathing on the planet Jesus. But he told his disciples who had that, that it was better to have the Holy Spirit. We're not here stuck all these years later wishing we had something good like they did. No, we have that same upgrade. We have the Holy Spirit who is alive within us as believers, as his children, and being able to lead and guide and teach and direct and instruct, it is better for us to be able to have access to the Holy Spirit because here is what we're going to see was one of the key limitations of Jesus in person, okay? This is, he, Jesus is limited with his disciples. In John chapter 16, verse 12, if, we, if you think about this, this is just mind-blowing. Jesus is the greatest teacher. He's able to articulate and put things into words better than anybody else. These guys had followed him. They, had, they were fully committed, but then he tells them this. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Jesus had things to say to his disciples Things were not complete. They did not know everything they needed to know. Jesus had things that were on his heart, but they could not bear to hear them. There are things in our lives that without the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we just can't hear. That our best friend couldn't tell us that our spouse couldn't tell us, the person we love the absolute most, that we believe just has our back the most, it's just too hard for us to hear. There are things we need to deal with. There are things we've deluded ourselves over. There are things we, we're, we're just not ready to hear them. Jesus' disciples were in that exact same spot. And this is as Jesus having his final meal with them. 
He's like, I still got a lot of stuff to say to you, but you can't hear it. It's not that Jesus couldn't put it into words. It's that they couldn't hear it. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you, tell you things to come. There are things, some places of pain, there are some places of, the, of promise, there are some places of growth that we all need that only the sweet, tender, assuring voice of the Holy Spirit can help us to be able to move forward in. There are things nobody else can, but the Holy Spirit will be able to do it. The Holy Spirit will bring revelation and understand and be able to bring a place where, yes, this needs to change, but you're not condemned. You're not worthless because you've let this go on for this long. You're not stupid because you didn't see this already. Some of the pain that has been caused because you've let this stay active in your life, the Holy Spirit isn't going to be condemning you and making you feel guilty for all of that. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit can point something out, and you get excited about the change. You get excited about about the growth. You get excited about what God is wanting to do in your life and still feeling weighed down and heavy and beaten up. And so and it's those places, those deepest, most necessary places of growth in our lives, only the Holy Spirit, not even Jesus himself, could have those conversations with his disciples. Not even Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit was able to be able to do that. And that's because he helps us to embrace Jesus as Lord. There's a place where we can recognize and see that Jesus is our Savior, that we need to do it. But really growing in discipleship is embracing Jesus as Lord. That means he is the, he's the, he's the boss in our lives. He is the, the king. He's King Jesus in our lives. And we desperately need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that because we are fiercely independent. And we tend to want God's help in places where we've just banged our head on the wall and we're like, okay, I can't figure this out. But places where we feel like we've kind of got a handle on it, we want to stay in charge there. We want to stay the boss there. And we're cool with Jesus sitting on the couch and being in the room. We just don't want him inserting himself. We just don't want to just, okay, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I got this. I got this. And then when you don't got it, you're like, yeah, Jesus, here, come help me. And that tends to be the way we do it. And praise God, Jesus is patient and whatnot. But to really let him be Lord, we need him. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, says, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The only way you're gonna let real lordship exist in your life is with the the help of the Holy Spirit. We want to, we want to. None of us sit here and say, no, I wanna stiff arm Jesus in the bulk of my life. We wouldn't be sitting in this room if that's the way we were want, if we were conscious about it. We want Jesus to be able to be, have preeminence in our life. That's why we're gathered here. That's why you're online and watching this right now. We want Jesus to be Lord. The problem is it's hard for us. It's hard for us to give up control. It's hard for us to defer when we have our own will and our own agenda. It's hard. 
for us to do that. But for us to genuinely say Jesus is Lord, it says nobody can do it except by the Holy Spirit. You can't. As soon as you begin to find yourself hitting against a wall in something, the place you need to begin to do is say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. And that's what he does. He's a helper. And he will help you to be able to, to trust, help you to be able to, to release control, help you to be able to walk into those places the way we do it. That is why God has sent him to help us to be able to do that. We need this helper, and we need to see that. But if we don't really, if we don't really get that, we will tend to we'll tend to stonewall the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We go on and that same conversation in John chapter uh, 16, verse 8, it says, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Okay, let's just stop right there. If you've got the wrong idea of who the Spirit, Holy Spirit is, there's some people, believers, who feel like that the Holy Spirit is basically uh, God's intel service. That he's been, he's the NSA. He's here and he's spying on us. And the Holy Spirit is sitting there and he's watching and he's active all the time. And, you know, Jesus ascended and he's going to come back one day, but he's got the Holy Spirit here. He's keeping an eye on everything. And he's going to let us know. And you know what? And then you have that view that all of a sudden you read this. He's going to convict the world, convict us of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And, oh, yeah, he's going to tell you every little spot you're not doing just right. He's going to tell you you need to get righteous and do this and, and that if you don't, you're going to get judged. That is not what this is at all. Jesus continues and makes sure there is no misunderstanding on how the Holy Spirit operates in this. First and foremost of sin because they do not believe in me. The sin issue is the fact that we're dead in our sin and we can only have life in Christ by believing in him. That's it. That's the sin issue, that we're dead in them and that we need Jesus. We need to place our faith. He says he's going to convict the world of sin, not to delineate every little place we did wrong, but to let the world know, guess what? You're dead in your sin and you need to believe in Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit is saying about sin. Believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. It says that is the role that the Holy Spirit does. Embrace the Savior. You don't have to be stuck in that mess anymore. You don't have to be stuck in those patterns. You don't have to be stuck in that shame. You don't have to be stuck in any of that. You can have a new life in Christ. That is what the Holy Spirit is saying on the subject of sin. Then on the subject of righteousness, because you need to act more righteous. Nope. It says because I go to my Father and you see me no more. You're like, what does that mean? Because he go of righteousness, because he goes to the Father and he see me no more. As these Jewish men, they understood, because the scriptures tell us that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. The only time that someone was seated is when their job was done. It was completed. Jesus said while his dying words were, it is finished. And the thing is, is that of righteousness, because he goes to the Father and we see him no more, he is seated at the right hand of God, and forever our righteousness is sealed. It's done. 
that the righteousness was done by the completed work of Jesus. That is what the Holy Spirit has reminded you. Every time you have a thought about, am I righteous enough? He says, Jesus is righteous. You have Jesus' righteousness. That has been accomplished in Jesus. It's completed, it's done, it's yours. That is the righteousness that he is talking about. That is the righteousness he is convicting you of. Not that you need to walk in some sort of, some sort of personal righteousness, but you need to live in the righteousness that's been given to you in Christ. That is the righteousness. That's where the power comes from. That's where real right living exists. And then the, the next piece is of judgment because the ruler of this world stands judged. The ruler of the world is judged. The enemy is judged. He's beaten. So he's reminding us to believe in Jesus, that we're righteous because of what is Jesus, and the enemy is defeated. That is what the Holy Spirit does. He's to convict us. Another translation is to convince us. Why? Because we need continual convincing. Because we'll be, over and over, we'll get convinced that our biggest problem is this sin habit in our lives. And he's not, no, your big thing is believe in Jesus that he's conquered it. That's where the power comes from. Not that you can resist it, but that you can live in the freedom that's been bought for you by Jesus. So that we can have, be righteous, that we have to be convinced that we're righteous. Because I tell you what, I don't have to try to stand up here and try to say that there's stuff that needs to change in your life. You know it. The enemy will come in and try to tell you you're unrighteous all the time. Nobody needs to be convinced of being unrighteous. The Holy Spirit is here to convince you you're righteous. Because there's a liar that will try to tell you you're not. And the Holy Spirit's there to convince you of your righteousness and then convince you that, guess what, that the enemy is judged and he no longer has authority over you. That is what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, and that is why we need it. And every time we begin to be unconvinced, it's we're not letting the true ministry of the Holy Spirit be at work in our lives and begin to shift things. John chapter 12, verse 31 says, Now this is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. That was going to happen. The Holy Spirit ha- reminds us that it's done. John chapter 14, verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me that the ruler of the world has been defeated. We also need to understand this, that the Holy Spirit is my friend. He's been given to us as a friend. He's been able to, to walk with us and be with us. I love the way Luke writes in Acts, of just this beautiful, natural connection and cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 5, 32. It says, we are witnesses of these things, and, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. We're witnesses, and, and so is the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're in this together. In Acts 13, verse 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. There's just this beautiful cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 15, 28 says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. I love that phrase. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And it's this, just the, the language and the way Luke writes is just it's this wonderful, beautiful, dynamic, rel- active relationship. This doing life together with the Holy Spirit. That is what we need to understand. And then the last thing 
with a part of a proper introduction is to understand that he's my God. The Holy Spirit is very much part of it, just like we understand the deity of Jesus, that it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit at work. We have to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. And we see this in Acts chapter five, verse three. It says, and then Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have, <clears throat> that you have led to, and oh, let me, let me get my glasses. There we are. There's an eye there. I knew that didn't make sense. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but to God. So he says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. You've lied to God. It's the same. It's the same. See, in Matthew 28, 19, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we see all, so many beautiful moments of all three working together. John chapter 14, verse 16. We had already kind of looked at this, but look at this. It says, I will ask the Father, which is I pray means I will ask. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. All three work, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring into remembrance all the things that I said to you. Verse 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to the Father and the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, from the Father, he will testify of me. They're all of them working together. Luke 3, says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven, the Father's voice from heaven, says, you are my son whom I love in whom I'm well pleased. We see all these places where it's all three at work. And in our lives, we have to embrace all three at work. We become very comfortable with saying Father in our prayers. We can begin very comfortable with understanding the work of Jesus, but we need to make sure that we fully embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, our bottom line is this. Everything that God does in our life, he does through the Holy Spirit. If you're gonna embrace the fullness of what God wants to do in your life, you have to embrace the work of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.